Why didn't we have a honey badger feed? I know. Because honey badger don't care. They've been in business for seven years, and they still don't know what they're doing. I guess a podcast seemed natural. Here's Founder Quest. This is just why I know. I know that whatever happens in November, it's just going to get, it's going to get crazier. <laughs> it's no matter what. I do feel like, um, like more and more, I feel like I'm inside of a, inside of a cyberpunk novel, like not, not really a William Gibson sort of like Chiba city going to get your, your like bioware implanted or whatever, but more of a, more of a Neil Stevenson, <laughs> like snow crash type of, of situation uh -huh. where, um, <laughs> You know, you have to, everybody lives in gated communities and like the gated mm -hmm. communities are owned by the different franchises. They're so you like, live in like the KFC yeah. gated community and, <laughs> you know, and you sort of worship the Colonel and all that. Are you living like a super pack community? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh -huh. Where you, where they have like your videos playing on billboards for everyone who drives by. Exactly. And like the hero of the story is just as like this girl trying to just deliver some pizzas uh -huh. like through this wasteland of a, of a country. Okay. This really, this really is just snow crash, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. The only difference is like the way the internet's played out is that we have a lot less sword fights. Right. Like I don't really just, um, well, interact with, I don't like go online and just find myself in a, in a CD bar with my samurai sword. You got to give VR a chance to uh, develop. Because you never, you know, there might be more swords, sword fights in the future. As long as you don't well, mind having a Facebook account, since now apparently it's oh, a requirement for Oculus. Facebook you know. sword. Well, yeah. You saw that news about Oculus. They're now I did. Yeah. Yeah. I had, a, that's... I had a friend of mine here in Seattle. I said, okay, well, I've got an Oculus for sale if anybody wants it. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I never, I, yeah, I, I would not have bought an Oculus after Facebook acquired them. Maybe for that, that not necessarily for that specific reason, but I mean, that's as good a reason as any. That was prescient. Like, obviously they're going to do something with it in their interest. Obviously. Yeah. My house is too small too. I just like break <laughs> everything. I don't, it seems like you need a, a fair amount of like free space to have a, some sort of VR setup. Yeah. Or you can, you know, gesticulate and not like destroy priceless family artifacts. Yeah. I don't, I don't even know. Like I, I tried one of the very early ones and it was like that, but I'm not sure how far they've come since then. I don't know. Eventually they'll refine it to the point where like, instead of having to adjust you around, you just have this little um, device that you hold in your hands and you can just move your fingers, um, oh. small distances. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I see where you're going with that. Well, in, in yeah. non VR gaming news, Microsoft flight simulator was released this week. Is that what so, I, I saw something that looked a lot like that and then like the page refreshed and it went away <laughs> I was for a split second. I was like, holy crap. Is that my, is that flight simulator later? It is. Yeah. yeah cool. So Did y'all hear about the, the, the open street map thing mm -mm. with no. that? Mm -mm. Okay. This is great. Uh, I actually didn't realize that it was just released, but I, I read about this glitch. So there's open street map, right? That's I'm getting the name right. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Open street map is like people's like open source version of sort of Google maps. So you can go and get these maps and do whatever you want with them. So it's maintained like Wikipedia, you know, by an army of volunteers. And I guess somebody in, I think Melbourne made a typo. And instead of, I don't know, instead of like listing a building as three stories, they listed it as something like 3000 stories. <laughs> and so Microsoft, when they were developing the flight simulator, they went and got the OpenStreetMap data 
and they didn't scrub it or anything. And so if you're flying in Melbourne, it's like it's Melbourne. And then this one really narrow building that goes up just like a, a, a giant sort of monolith in the sky. That's amazing. And there's all these like pictures on Twitter of people like flying around it being like, what is this? <laughs> That's great. It's, it's just it's just a glitch in the data. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Is so it? <laughs> this is because Microsoft, like, I mean, if this, this would never happen to Google flight simulator, I, I feel like, like they, they don't use open street map, do they? They've got their own, they've got Google cars. Yeah. But the problem with Google flight simulator would be that in three years they <laughs> would, they would trash it. They would end it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Cause no one would, no one would play it <laughs> or not enough, pe not enough people would play it. Like 500,000 people would play it, but they'd be like, you know, we need, we need like 500 million people to play this exactly. if, if it's going to be. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's been in the news recently too. Like Google cloud, Steve, I don't know how you pronounce his last name. Yegi maybe, uh, had this blog post about how just Google deprecates so much all the time that like, why would you even build on it? And it's notable because Steve is an ex Googler <laughs> and uh, not, not just a, not just a luminary in the field in general, but you know, having worked there, he was pretty mm -hmm. annoyed that uh, he'd have to rebuild all of his stuff every few years, just because Google likes to turn things off. So yeah, it's not a great policy. That's, that's definitely a consideration that we had when, when we were the shopping around for hosting, you know, comparing mm -hmm. AWS versus Google. That wasn't the primary consideration, but that was an issue. My primary consideration was it's really easy, apparently, to get your Google Cloud account shut off <laughs> and, and hard to get it returned back on. So wow. that oh, really? made me pretty skittish. Yeah. Like based on complaints to third parties or what? No, based on like automated algorithms at Google for detecting <laughs> abuse. Wow. Oh, nice. wow. Yeah, exactly. so that's, a, that's a good selling point. Like <laughs> Great. Our yeah. Platform is so free of abuse that you can't even use it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there, there's there've been a variety of uh, hacker news posts about people. Whereas just, Amazon just bills you for the abuse. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Amazon said just oh just pay us. We'll, we'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> pay us with that with that Bitcoin money that you're mining. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Wow. Anyway, so yeah, so I think not a good idea to play Google Flight Simulator because like halfway through your flight they'll just turn it off. <laughs> just like in the middle of the well i don't know they might keep it around because they gotta they gotta um, train those self-flying planes oh yeah, yeah oh yeah well that makes me think though you know what would be really hard so it'd be google airlines like would you really want to fly in that airline because who knows yeah <laughs> they might well, they might they might they might cancel it like while you're up in the air do they have the courtesy of at least like calling you from the google control tower and like telling you like we're shutting down this product <laughs> prepare for landing or is it just like lights out <laughs> well so. the reason that we don't really have um much of we're, we're just kind of rambling is because i i was on a i went on sort of an impromptu vacation my partner evie was just you know quarantined and everything we've been you know both working kind of you know we've been trying to stretch a normal life into to like a more short amount of time mm -hmm. and because of childcare and all that. And she was just like, we need a vacation. I'm booking a place. Okay. I booked it. And so I'm just like, ah, okay. But Thanks. she was totally right. It was, it was a great thing. Yeah, how we went, was it? Um, it was wonderful. I mean, we went to, to a little town called Shelton. We're actually outside of the town. Um, it's sort of, it's, let's see, I don't know. It's some direction in relation to Olympia. 
It's like you get to Olympia and you turn right, whatever direction that is. Okay. So, so I guess that would be west, west of Olympia. And it's on, there's a bunch of these little inlets from the sound. And so the tide comes in and, and goes out and okay. it's, it's called Shelton because lots of shellfish grow there. And so you can go and like dig them up and everything, which they did. And then we cook them and then we're like, should we be eating these? Are these going to murder? Are these going to like kill us and poison us? And they didn't, they didn't. Um, so that was a good thing. But all in all, it was very nice. It was very nice. Cool. You feel refreshed? I do. I do feel refreshed. I'm wearing a colorful shirt, which you can tell. And, and while I was gone, the summer went away. When I left, it was like, you know, in the 90s or, or whatever. And, you know, I get back and it's 70 all day. So I can live with that. So the colorful shirt thing, like, I don't, for some reason, when I put on a color, because I always wear, I, like, my uniform is like a black t-shirt. But you might not know this, but when I, when I like go on vacation, I'll put on a colorful shirt just to signify that I'm on vacation. And it, I, it like makes me feel a lot better. It makes me feel more like I'm, I'm on vacation now. Well, I don't know if, that, how, if you have the same experience. How, how colorful are we talking? Are we like, you know, stripes like rugby shirt or like Hawaiian shirt? Oh, like full on Hawaiian. No, All right. All right. <laughs> no, I, I, not Hawaiian. Just, just like, just like, you know, uh, maybe like a blue t-shirt or something. All right. <laughs> No, no, you know, actually, uh, like, like my Elixir Comp t-shirt, which was like bright. It's not even red. It's like, I don't know. It's, it's very bright for a conference shirt. Yeah. It's kind of a, I'm like a, a, I have a purple. very interesting wardrobe is what I'm trying to tell you. It's very, there's a lot of, yeah, variety in you it. can't it's wear those. You can't wear the, um, <laughs> it's black t-shirts and conference t-shirts. You can't wear the Hawaiian shirts, you know, out because people think you're a CIA agent. Yeah, I actually, I should. I should definitely, I could definitely pull off the Hawaiian shirt. I think I should, totally could. I should get a, yeah, you could. I should get a few of those. Get, get some aviators. Mm-hmm. A nice, um, you know, turn your baseball cap around the other way, you know, per regulation. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. So hook relay is coming along nicely. It is. Jo oh yeah. Yeah. Tell us about that. I'm excited. So, Josh has been digging in lately and uh, it was funny. We had a product meeting a couple weeks ago and we're, you know, planning out what, Josh and Kevin and I were all going to do what our assignments were. And I think Josh like nervously asked something about tests because Josh loves tests and Kevin and I are, you know, not quite as big fans of writing tests as Josh is. And so Kevin and I both chuckled and we're like, oh yeah, Josh, that's your job. <laughs> so, so Josh started diving in and writing some tests and it's been, it's been great, but it was really, it was really good because Josh was, hasn't been working on hook relay until this past week or two. And so he had to do all the typical developer startup things, you know, like, oh, how do I get set up with a database and what, how do I connect to that? And uh, it made me realize in much shame how little I had actually documented about getting set up and getting everything going. And, and mm -hmm. you know, Kevin had learned along the way, but Josh was like, I don't know what's going on here. And I'm like, oh, yeah, there's no documentation for that. Sorry. <laughs> there is now, so. though. But yes, thanks. Because Josh thanks also loves documentation. <laughs> yeah. So thank you, Josh, for helping us out there. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. Well, I think that's all. That's always a good. It actually, it. I mean, I always like you should probably write your like write your documentation like as you're as you're building things. But there, I think there is some benefit for having like your new like a new developer that's onboarding write the documentation because it's coming from their perspective, and you might get you know, like steps, set up steps that are not something that you would think of that would, you know, save someone a lot of time. That's not like, didn't start from scratch with the app or whatever. Right. Yeah, for sure. When you do that, you discover just how much context is in your head 
even yeah. on an, even on a new project. It's like, oh, there's this thing and that thing and this other thing. And yeah, I, mean, I had forgotten all that stuff because I've been you know in it for so long. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's it's useful to have that fresh yeah. perspective come in. But uh, Josh has tearing it up. He's added a bunch of like onboarding stuff, which has been great. Like Kevin mm -hmm. has been focused on the UI. I've been focused on the API and. And Josh has been focused on, hey, can we actually make this usable for our customers? <laughs> well, and like, yeah, and how do they learn how to use it when they first, like, exactly. they just, you know, sign up and land on the dashboard or whatever. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we've been trying to come up with some ideas for things we could show. That, like, what, what's the first thing they see? What's, what's the first thing you see when you sign up for something? Because there's a lot of options. I think having our years of experience learning with Honey Badger has really helped accelerate what we're doing here. Cause it's like, Oh, we should do this onboarding survey thing and we should do this tour yeah. thing. And you know, I thought, I thought of, I had the same thought. Like I thought about that this week as I was building this, um, we're, I think we're going to go with a, uh, there's going to be like, we don't want to like show, like put too much between the user, like between signing up and like actually getting to work, like doing stuff, something in the app. But we are, I think we are going to try showing like a, uh, like just like a simple welcome screen um, and maybe like have a video or something. Um, I, I, by the way, I need to get you to record a video, Ben, because it's your, it's your app. So I think, I think it should be your face, but you know, just like saying hello. And, um, and then we uh, are going to have a um, uh, introduction, like an optional introduction box where people can like either say hello to us or like tell us where they like why they're signing up, which is something we did for Honey Badger after a long time. And it's worked out really well, I would say. Like we get a lot of interesting feedback from that little like, like, hey, where did you, wh where are you coming from today? Like people fill it out and we get some interesting responses sometimes. For I instance, can see that yeah, being like, even more useful for like a new product when you're sort of really, uh, you really are sort of like steering direction based on user feedback. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it'll be interesting depending on where like we get our initial like I mean like I don't know we don't know yet how like the launch like where people will be coming from with the launch like I know some well I assume people will be coming from our Honey Badger channels and like Founder Quest and stuff but I don't know this is totally a totally different product for us so it, and it appeals to a totally different like a lot more people so like I don't know we could get fe featured on like we could be front page of Hacker News with our show HN post and then get a bunch of hacker news people commenting. Like, I don't know if I want to see those <laughs> introductions. Um, oh my God. But those would be I a little been different. On, I haven't been on hacker news in so long. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I like check it out occasionally, but I you have, read it, have, don't you Ben? Yeah. I have an RSS feed specifically yeah. for show hacker news because I love okay. seeing all the new stuff coming in. And that's uh, a good idea. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun to see what's going on out there. Yeah. What my thought this week was like, like yours, it's just all of these things that I kind of like knew to do. I was thinking like back, like, what would I be doing if I was like, if this was honey, like if we were back, like whatever, 10 years ago building this, and this was my first app. And I'm like, I would be doing none of this. Like we would have just launched it as like, like you built it, which is just, right. which is fine. Like, I mean, it's a good app and it works, but like, there's no, there's none of the things we've learned over time of like how to like, like teach the user slowly how to use the app, like introduce them and then kind of shepherd them along. It would just be like dump them into a dashboard. <laughs> and right. I this thought it was really, kind of cool. This, this is really interesting to me because it seems like it's kind of an, an evolution of 
the thinking that was like, I mean, when we first built Honey Badger, like we did do that, like you signed up and you got sort of dumped onto yeah. uh, an empty project page, or maybe you got dumped into some setup instructions, but it was very, very minimal. And that was kind of in line with the times, right? There was this whole like MVP thing, right? You just like build, build like the least amount of stuff you, you can possibly build and then ship it. And mm -hmm. since then, a lot of people did that. And I guess, I don't know. It seems like, like a lot of those things were kind of bad or not, not necessarily bad, but just, I don't, it seems like people expect a lot more out of an app yeah. these days. They expect it to be a lot more friendly. Um, they don't really want to immediately log on and see just nothing or, you know, just have to sort of figure it out themselves. Yeah. I'd say, yeah. I'd say the bar has been raised. Like people are ex definitely expecting more now. Yeah. I kind of feel like it's a, it's a pendulum. Like, you know, before the whole MVP thing, like the idea was, well, it's gotta be perfect. Well, because you, you're shipping oftentimes a golden master CD, right? So it has to be perfect when it's going out the door, but even, even web developers felt that way. It's like, oh, it's gotta be pristine. It's gotta be just exact. And, and then, you know, the whole MVP thing came and developers like, oh, we can, we can throw away all that idea and just throw out the, the basic minimum app that people can use. And then I, I feel like, yeah, it's, it's swinging back towards the, well, let's give our new users a little more of a polished experience. Let's not just give them the, the little scooter. Let's give them a moped mm -hmm. instead, you know, or something a little more developed. You can kind of like see the difference in um, how long it took us to replace the font awesome icon um, as a logo with a real logo. Because we sure. did start, we did start mm -hmm. with a font awesome icon, you know, staying yeah. true to our ourselves, but then. Yeah. yeah with Honey Badger, we had that for you like at start. least a year. Yeah, we printed shirts with the, with the font awesome icon on it. Right. Those were our very first shirts. Yeah. And this time we actually have a custom logo that we had designed. Yeah. Of course, this time we have a little more in the way of resources than we had when we launched. That's Honey true. Badger. That's true. <laughs> so that, that doesn't make a difference. <clears throat> we can afford that logo design. Whereas last time we really couldn't. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Well, I'm excited to see how this develops. Yeah. And I'm excited to like get back to work on, <laughs> on the static site. I keep being like, oh, yeah, I'm going to work on this. And then it's like, okay, I'm going to be gone for a week. Okay. Coming back. I'm really going <laughs> to yeah. do this this time. Then it's like, okay, surprise. No, I've been not. in the same, I've been in the same boat though. It's so it's, it's okay. I've, yeah, this year has been a bit of a struggle to meet deadlines. I've been I've been following your work star on the static site and it's looking great. Like the documentation oh, thank you. stubs that you have. Oh, I gotta go already, check that out. Are fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. Thank so you. It's gonna look really good. Cool. Yeah, I think on launch day it's gonna be looking a lot nicer than the honey badger did on, on launch day, for sure. Yes. Oh definitely, yeah. So one of the things that's been I've been thinking about this week that's really got me kind of excited is just one of these little features that I wanna have in, in Hook Relay, which is to be able to send notifications about the success and about the failure of deliveries to Slack. And, you know, we have a lot of integrations in Honey Badger, like sending notifications to Slack or to Jira or email or you name it. We've got a ton of them. And I just, I wanted to take a fresh approach to that in Hook Relay because we've had some pain points in Honey Badger with that sort of thing. Yeah. And I realized as I was thinking about this, it's like, you know what? We could use Hook Relay for sending these notifications. Like it just, it just the payload just needs a little bit of massaging from one JSON format to another JSON format so that yeah. it, it'll if work only well. Only there were Slack. a product who could do this. Yeah. <laughs> that could do like, this. <laughs> just so it happens, we built this product that takes webhooks from one JSON format to another format. <laughs> and so, mm -hmm. uh, haven't written the code yet, but I, I'm I'm just excited about this idea that we can plug in a Slack notification or any other kind of thing that takes a webhook and we can easily support that in, in Hook Relay. 
So you can actually um, you can transform payloads in Hooker yes. Lane. Yes. Yeah. I was, is this is this like uh, yeah? Is this hinting at our secret our secret evil genius plan to uh, <laughs> introduce like you know serious transformations to these <laughs> to payloads? Yeah. Um, so so like JMES path is what we're using today. It's a, a well known trend. It's like it's like XSLT but for JSON. Right? You can take okay. Incoming JSON payload, and you can spit out a different output kind of JSON payload based on this transformation language. I hope and, it's not uh, too much like XSLT. So it's pretty cool in that you can easily massage a payload. And we, we're using that Honey Badger to send custom payloads to PagerDuty, for example, because like, they mm -hmm. don't want as much data as maybe some of the other integrations that we support. But exposing this to Hook Relay customers is, I think, going to be pretty awesome because they can say, oh, well, take this. Maybe, maybe I have a webhook coming in from GitHub, and I want to send it over to Slack, whatever. And I can like, select just the fields that I want and put them in new fields, and it's mm -hmm. going to be super awesome. I'm excited about this. Um, on the, back on the onboarding side of this, I was thinking about that this week because um, like, there's certain aspects of Hook Relay which are like just dead simple. Like, you basically put it in between your webhook and the user, and it gives you all this cool stuff for free, basically. But then you have so in that in that as, in that regard, it's like it's way simpler to get started with. I feel almost than Honey Badger, even for example, because you don't have to like integrate it into your application beyond right. just like sending a single. You know, it's you're sending the same. You'd be sending a, a post anyway, like a request anyway somewhere. So that like that's easy to explain, fairly easy to, easy to explain. But then you get you get like something like JMES path, which is like, it's like, you know, basically like a custom programming language for like transforming JSON data. And that is like the opposite. That's like a, that's like a, um, you know, like a power tool or something like, so I'm looking forward to like figuring out how to uh, like, cause you can't just like drop that on someone. <laughs> like you, you can't just like teach someone JMES path, like, and I'm getting that acronym, right? I think so. Okay. Yeah. okay. You can't just like teach them that, like, you know, on that first screen when they, when they sign up, like, you know, here, right. here, learn this, learn this, like this transformation language that you've never heard about before. And that's something with like, you know, with like uh, user, user onboarding and just even like life cycle that you need to think about, like, how do you gradually like level someone up in this, like in the ability to use your product effectively? You know, and there's opportunity there actually like to teach people like our, our customers who are developers, like teach them skills that they didn't know before that will be useful elsewhere. Because if you learn JME as path with Hook Relay, I mean, you could use it. I mean, it's an open source tool. So you could use this in your own products or, or whatever. And it's something I had never heard of until we started using it in Honey Badger and you introduced me to it, Ben. So I think that's kind of cool to have things like that built in that are like super, it's super, super technical and powerful, but you, you know, you basically need to teach people how to um, use it to the, you know, effectively. I'm wondering like what, what approach you need to take to support for that, to support that. Right. Because like, I imagine that like if people get really into the weeds on that, then they might, email us and be like, Hey, this isn't working. And in fact, like their problem is that they've, you know, they have some syntax error in some, Oh yeah. Something, oh, you mean like, from like, like help desk support, like how yeah, from yeah, help desk support. Right, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, it might be good from the outset to sort of set a position on that. <laughs> just, just, um, be yeah, like, you know, cause we learned we, that this is something else we learned with honey badger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, if you let them, like people will have you, I don't know, like, 
SSH into their machine and do like uh-huh. a day's worth of work for them. Like, <laughs> so yeah, which you can't do if you're selling something for 30 bucks a month or whatever. Yeah. Um, or for free. That's a, that's a really so, good point, Star. Maybe we have a policy where we're just like, you know, okay, you're using this thing. Like we know it works on our end. If we have any incl- inclination mm-hmm. or any idea that it's like an actual problem on our end, we will fix it. But if it's like debugging your JMES path code or whatever, uh, that's that's on you. Here's some books. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I know. It, yeah. So what we've done so far is we we do some upfront validation on the syntax that they use. We try it out right when they configure it, so that they know right away, as opposed to having to wait and discover. Oh wait, why are my payloads not you know shaping up the way that I thought they should? Oh, that's smart. And then. Also linking to the documentation for the, the JMS Path website where they actually have a, an online evaluator. So you can put in some payload and you can put in a, a, cool. a query and it will try and evaluate that for you. So I, we could pull that into a hook relays at UI, you know, right there. And that would be kind of cool, mm-hmm. but we haven't, we haven't done that yet. That would be cool. Yeah. Well, we can, we can add those nice, like those are nice yeah. finishing touches we could add after we see how people respond to it and use it and everything and, and i don't know who knows maybe we'll uh maybe we'll be adding a, a javascript transformation feature at some point uh, that, that would always would be, be cool. cool you could write you know write your transformations in javascript but the the early responses from our alpha testers have been really good they love it you know one person said this is something that i've been wished existed for a long time now so that was a great to hear yeah you know? awesome. that'll be on the home page right on the uh, yeah 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 the sales page <laughs> One thing that was kind of interesting this week that Ben and I discussion, we got into a little bit on Basecamp, and this might be a larger topic that we could talk about on a uh, future episode or something, but just was like positioning with Hook Relay because we have all these really cool I, like things that it could do and ideas, like things we want it to do that it, we know like there's reasons we want it to do this because we could, it'll do this for us, which is primarily why we're building it. But then like, you know, we keep thinking of these like other things that it, you know, use cases that it could handle basically. Whereas I think when it first started, it was really just about improving the quality of like webhook delivery. Am I getting that right, Ben? Like, I don't think we were thinking like, um, I mean, like in the back of our head, we had been talking about like products that do some of these more advanced, um, like pipeline style trans transformations and things like that. But that's not really what we had in mind initially anyway. But those types of, you know, these more advanced use cases fit nicely into what the product already does, which is great. But at the same time, it's, it doesn't necessarily fit in someone's mind, like in the same location that just webhooks do, if that makes sense, which comes down to, uh, that comes back to positioning. So even though the product can, it's like, you know, maybe it can do like three really amazing, awesome things that, different people want it's not you, you need to figure out like well how are you going to actually like tell people what it is because you have to start somewhere if there's a comp- i mean there's a competitive landscape for everything so you have to f- like look at what other people you know where are, what are other people um how are they presenting themselves and who are they selling like to primarily and like where do we fit in you know in that landscape it's kind of fun too because um it's kind of it's kind of exciting to have a product that ha- isn't positioned yet. Like we we don't really I, I think at this point like we don't really know like where this fits and so we really we kind of get to think about that. And this isn't something like we really we didn't really know 
we, we didn't really think about this too much. I, I think when we first launched Honey Badger, again, it was kind of just like, I mean, we, we obviously know what this is. We're basically like copying something else that we can do better. And we already know that there's customers of that, that want, that would buy this basically. So we didn't do any kind of like positioning exercise where we figure out like, okay, where, like, where are we going to fit in this market and, and do all the, like, you know, the big product things that, that people do today. So I'm kind of looking forward to figuring that out. And I guess like that's, that is part of the, uh, like how we, posi- like what, what will the copy be in and stuff? Yeah. So I don't know if you've thought it's about that of, at all star. I haven't spent a ton of time thinking about it. The thing that I want to compare some, I want to compare hook relay possible positioning to maybe I'm interested in comparing it to like Heroku. Cause like they do very different things, obviously, right? It's not like a competitor type thing. But Heroku came in and it's like, okay, well, you've got you've got web hosting, um, you've got all this stuff exists already, but we're gonna take that and it's like we're going to be like, okay, we're gonna add ease of deployment to web hosting. We're gonna add um, you know, uh scalability. We're gonna add it's basically you have this thing web hosting that um people already do, they already know how to do. And then Heroku essentially came on and added these um, very simple, like you press a button and you add this to web hosting and you get this to web hosting, you add this to web hosting. So like my initial thinking on this is that is that hook really is kind of like that with with webhooks, right? You have your webhook, it exists, um, you know how to do it, it's fine. But then you have this push button system where, okay, add reliability to your webhooks, add, I don't know, um, maintainability, your webhooks because like you don't have to go into your app and edit code when when slack updates their their payload format right you just change your jmes path thing you just change that you just log in you change that around and there you go it seems like each of these features that we talked about is like this this sort of push button sort of power up to webhooks as a concept mm-hmm. yeah i really like that i hadn't, hadn't thought about it that way but that's that's yeah, me cool. either yeah we'll have to expound on that yeah, and then you know another problem that we faced almost from the beginning when we had early alpha customers come in and say, "Oh, that's great, but can it do this?" You know, started pushing the product in different directions, and we came to realize pretty quickly that while we had seen it primarily as an outbound use case, right, sending webhooks from Honeybadger to a variety of things, some other people saw it as primarily an inbound thing, where they're handling a bunch of inbound webhooks and want to do stuff with that, and that was interesting and. As we work through that, like that changed the uh, the complexity of the homepage, right? Just the, the, the sales side. Okay, now you got to talk to mm-hmm. two different use cases, right? And and then in the past week, as Josh and I have been having a discussion base camp, we've actually come up with a third area, which is a higher level thing than just sending webhooks. It's connecting services, both inbound and outbound, like being an actual relay, like the name implies, right? So it's going to be interesting to come up with not just with the, the positioning but also like yeah. okay now these use cases and how that plays into positioning yeah because it's, it's it's difficult to uh it's hard to sell a swiss army knife <laughs> yeah that's, you know yeah, like, that's what I would think it's like, yeah, yeah. Swiss army knife. yeah yeah well i mean you get it for the knife part right and then you discover <laughs> all the other like tools <laughs> of, of varying usefulness so, yeah. oh but i got this knife but it also has tweezers right on I love to. Yeah, exactly. We'll just hire that super shaming guy. <laughs> I mean, I have to admit like, like a product that really embraced the Swiss army knife thing and like sold itself. Maybe it's even like the, 
the uh, metaphor is a Swiss army knife, like, you know, on the homepage, like you've got, you've got like a literal Swiss army knife. Um, I, I mean, it's, yeah. it's cute, but at the same time, like, I don't think I would ever buy that product. So <laughs> it goes back to the thing, like you really have to figure out like, yeah, some kind of concept to fit into the, you know, the user's head that clicks and, yeah. uh, I don't know. At least well, I, mean, I, I don't know. I don't think I would buy a product that like said I'm a literal. I mean, like, I guess like new relic is kind of like a Swiss army knife of monitoring. And that's the very reason I don't like it. And like in the past. So mm -hmm. I guess that's, that's a good example. Well, I think, but again, like think of Heroku because you have, um, like they are kind of a Swiss army knife. I mean, some of their weird tools are provided by third parties in their um, that's true. marketplace, yeah. but like, it's just like, it's just menus of things and you just like click, okay, I want this database. Mm -hmm. I want um, these add-ons to do, you know, Redis or Memcached or whatever. That's a good point. Um, but it doesn't, and, yeah. it doesn't feel like it's, um, it doesn't feel like it's diluted because like they have their core product, which mm -hmm. is a hosting. And then the other stuff is sort of like, it's, it's um, yeah, it's, it's sort of add-ons yeah. to that. It's like power-ups. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point because yeah, Heroku, you're totally right. Like Heroku is, is kind of like that. But at the same time, Heroku has like, when, like when they first came around, like they had like some of the, like one, some of the like greatest positioning, like I love their positioning um, and still do like, it's like easy mode for app deployments, like get push and you've, you've deployed your app. So it's like, it's like the best of both worlds. Like it's like they're dead simple, like it's relatable. But then when you get into it, it's like, wow, this is powerful. Like I can just click push a button and it like, like get push for my web app. I can add whatever Redis, um, or, mm -hmm. or Postgres or, or whatever, or monitoring honey badger or hook relay. I'm wondering if the reason it doesn't feel like a Swiss army knife is knife is that you have to pay for every button you press. <laughs> <laughs> well, just out of curiosity's sake, I was thinking about the Swiss army knife thing. I'm like, I wonder how their homepage pitches the Swiss Army knife because you've got all these use cases, right? So I, yeah. I loaded up just now and oh. I went, went to the website. And the funny thing is like the actual Swiss Army knife is nowhere on the page. If you go to SwissArmy.com, yeah. you can't see a Swiss Army knife. The, right now, at least, the headline is something about barbecuing. And then they have their backpack mm. and they have their, their kitchen utensils. And then you get down, you keep scrolling down. Then you finally actually see a Swiss Army knife next to a watch. That's oh man, that's oh, they're selling the Swiss Army lifestyle. That's, totally, that's genius, Ben. We should uh, we should definitely do like some sort of like this would be a great positioning exercise, like research exercise. Like yeah, totally. Like how do you sell a Swiss Army knife? Right. Um, and then apply that to SaaS or or software products. Yep. I would buy that ebook. <laughs> You should write that ebook. <laughs> That's a yeah. Maybe we. Maybe I will. <laughs> yeah. So it'll be fun to see what our what the hook relay homepage ends up looking like. Maybe we'll have mm -hmm. backpacks and kitchen utensils and. There you go. <laughs> yeah. People can add a photo like them with hook relay. You know, using it in their their lifestyle. Well, yeah. I, I yeah, totally. That makes me think of Kathy Sierra. And, you know, her thing was, you know, it's not about the product, right? It's about your customer. It's about making your customer a badass, right? Yeah. And oh, you just had the book. You just pulled I've, that book right up. Well, I, or you just pulled I've, that book yeah, right no, up, Josh. This, I do have, I'm showing the book for people who are listening. I, I have the book sitting on my desk. It's Badass, um, Making Users Awesome by Kathy Sierra. And I highly recommend it. It's, um, it's a badass uh, book. It will make you more badass, but it will also make your, your users more badass. I've been revisiting it through like this week. 
for our onboarding just to remind myself like how to go yeah. through this yeah but but one of the things that made me key into that idea you know with star's comment was also i'm you know, i'm still looking at this swiss army homepage, and like that hero image is an individual who is slicing through barbecue he's mm -hmm. preparing that i'm like so it's not even about the knife it's about what he can do with the knife, right? Yeah. Is he using the knife to slice through some barbecue? He's making a really good looking barbecue, right? And so mm -hmm. the knife- That's is, not a Swiss Army knife. <laughs> well, it, I think it, they sell a lot. They like sell cutlery as yeah, well. Yeah, oh, okay. Victorinox okay. branded. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I've got Victorinox uh, yeah. uh, knives in my kitchen. They're actually like the best like budget knife. Yeah, they're great. They're made out of stainless steel. Yeah. So if your, your family who never takes care of nice kitchen things wants to use them, <laughs> They can't destroy them accidentally. So this is why I've, I I may have I may have backed off of buying like two hundred dollar kitchen knives at one point because <laughs> I just knew somebody was going to leave it in the sink and it was going to uh -huh. rust and I was just going to get upset. Right, right. So that I think the challenge will be if we if we and we love that approach like we love Kathy Sierra we love that whole idea. Mm -hmm. So how do we communicate that on our homepage? Like you know it's not about relaying webhooks per se. It's about what you can accomplish yeah. in your development workflow by having this service that's handling all that for you. Yep. It's all about what you can do. Or um, we can just throw up a picture of a guy cutting up barbecue and call it a day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, how about this? How about this for positioning? It's a series of tubes. Hook relay, a series of tubes. <laughs> I love it. Can we get a, can we get a picture of Al Gore, like with a testimonial? <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> these are the yeah, best I tubes mean, on the tubes. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, this guy has a really big beard on the, um, Victorinox site. I guess they, they market the oh. people with beards. You should check it out, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> it's Josh this is, like, is obviously made for me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's a recipe for barbecue sauce on here? Oh, I gotta check this out. Yeah. There's butter in their barbecue sauce? I'm sorry. I have a Southerner's <laughs> deep conviction about Star barbecue loves sauce. barbecue, so I think we've, <laughs> we've lost her. I don't her. Eat barbecue that much. I just like have very strong opinions about barbecue sauce. Like there's a, there's a great barbecue place down the street for me and they put cumin in their barbecue sauce and I just, I lost it. Like, I just don't understand that. Anyway. Yeah. I found a quest next episode. We argue the merits of honey, uh, barbecue sauce ingredients. There, I will. I will talk about it. I will talk. If, we'll do if the you barbecue get, sauce episode. Okay, star. Yeah. Okay. You can tell I'm hungry because I'm just, everything comes back to food. Yeah. But I can, I can talk, I can talk, for, I can talk for an hour about my strongly health. Like, <laughs> like food opinions if you want, but nobody wants to hear it. For hook relay, like like thinking about like what what can people do? Like what what is it like what does it give you as the user that makes you think like makes it click and be like, you know, I'm I'm awesome. Like I this this makes me feel really good um with what I'm able to accomplish here. Go it goes back to like like the Stripe user experience. Like I would love to be I would love to be Stripe. Like I would love people to see me as a super reliable, awesome service that just like, it's a joy to, to use. And the praise that people give Stripe for their developer experience, I would love to have that praise for my own products. And that's kind of what we're selling. I think that's kind of what we're selling with Hook Relay is the ability to, to be that good, basically. It's sort of like bottled excellence that you can buy and sprinkle, sprinkle on your apps and your products. Mm -hmm. does, it, does it taste like barbecue sauce? It better not have cumin in it. <laughs> I think a bottle of excellence, that's got to taste like barbecue sauce. Yeah. I don't know. 
what would I, I'm thinking more like risk. I'm thinking more of like a beverage, more of like something that tastes kind of like honeysuckle mm. for some reason. Mm -hmm. I maybe, don't know. Maybe vanilla maple syrup. There you go. Well, it must it's, be time to eat. <laughs> there's, our, there's our positioning. It's, it's, um, it's hook relay vanilla maple syrup for your, for your technical team. <laughs> Just slather well, it all over them. I love it. We can always have it. some swag. We can have some barbecue sauce swag or something. There you go. Be good. That sounds great. Yeah. Barbecue swag. <laughs> oh man. That's a good that's a good business idea somebody should start up is to have some uh some like branded barbecue sauce that people can can order. For yeah. sure. I'm sure I, right. I don't know. I'd be surprised if one of the swag, you know, the swag fulfillment companies out there isn't doing something something like that. There's got to be. Maybe it's probably sure crappy. It. It it's won't probably be good, it's yeah. probably no good. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> All right. Well, it se it seems like we're losing steam here. Should we um should we wrap it up? Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, this has been Founder Quest. Thank you for joining us for our, our rambling discussion with actually pretty like some interesting points in there. Like I, it was it was not all fluff. There's some there's some real good some nuggets in there. Uh, if you want to write for us for Honey Badger, go to honeybadger.io forward slash blog and check out the write for us page. Read the whole thing and email me with you know following the incredibly detailed instructions and you can write for us. And yeah, so, oh, and yeah, give us some reviews. Apple Podcasts, Founder Quest, some, something like that. Um, just, yeah, just go ahead and do people that. are reviewing us, so. I don't know, us, I haven't checked in reviews. a long time. Yeah, you should, what? Why am I even saying this then? Maybe I should just like cut it out. I'm just annoying people. I just feel like I can't end a podcast with, without ask, begging for reviews. I feel like it's well, something no, we've, that's expected we've got some. these days. We've got, I mean, we have good reviews. I'm just saying okay. we could, we've got, we don't have as many reviews as we have listeners. I know that, so. Yeah, you step that, it that's up. true. Step it that's up, true. Well, if I don't ask for reviews, then I'm going to have to feel like this is a real podcast some other way by like yeah. shilling Casper mattresses. We'll have to get, yeah, we'll have to get uh, advertisers or something. Or Audible. No good, so. Let me tell you about a book I listened to on Audible the other day. <laughs> it's uh, Badass by Kathy Sierra. Badass by Kathy Sierra. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. See you later. Have a good one. Founder Quest is a weekly podcast by the founders of Honey Badger. Zero instrumentation, 360 degree coverage of errors, outages, and service degradations for your web apps. If you have a web app, you need it. Available at honeybadger.io. Want more from the founders? Go to founderquestpodcast.com. That's one word, where you can access our huge back catalog of episodes. Founder Quest is available on iTunes, Spotify, and other purveyors of fine podcasts. We'll see you next week. <laughs>